0: year and Merry Christmas I want to share a pet peeve with you Uh, I think that we spend way too long getting ready for Christmas and then Christmas hits and we're like boom it's done you can't wish anyone Merry Christmas on like December 27th it's just not possible right by show of hands who's already taken down their Christmas tree Okay, so like probably a quarter of you. I haven't. Uh, my Christmas tree is about that big for your mental image. It's setting on top of my record player. And uh, I haven't taken it down because one, I'm lazy and I don't know where to put it. But we all, we move on so quickly. And so I just, I want to take a moment and relish Christmas because it's, it's a pretty exciting moment, right? We listen to Christmas music for like two months. And to be honest, I'm done with them before Christmas. But then the moment Christmas hits, we're like, oh, change the playlist. We can't listen to Christmas music anymore. Who had the opportunity to give a really great gift this year? Like, you just found that one thing that was just like, that was just perfect. Okay, apparently no one. Uh, I was super excited. I found some homemade concrete uh, succulent pots for my dad. I know that's kind of weird. My dad's super into that sort of thing. I don't know, to each his own, right? But we all remember that one gift you got, and it was just like the craziest thing. And I'm about to date myself here because in elementary school, my parents got me a Wii. Yeah, I know. You're all thinking, man, I remember like graduating from college and they came out with the Wii, or maybe even later in life. But yeah, I remember opening the Wii and my parents, they had my brother and I start from each side and we ripped off the, the wrapping paper and we screamed out, it's a Wii! And we were all so excited and, and looking back, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, you know, you do that and you play some tennis. But at the time it was so exciting. And one of the most exciting points of presence for me is taking the wrapping paper off. I'm not one of those weirdos that are like, oh, we have to save it for next year. No, no, no. You got to rip it off. My mother, bless her heart, she sent me a couple gifts for Christmas, and she broke up the gifts into differently wrapped boxes so that I had the the feeling of opening more presents on Sunday morning. Isn't that the sweetest thing in the world? Seriously, if you're a parent, that's a top tip for you for next Christmas with your kids. It'll make them feel way better about getting three gifts because you can make it into like nine you split each one into three, three different boxes. But you see, there's something even better than opening up a gift. And for me, that's unboxing the new gift. Have you guys ever seen those unboxing videos on YouTube or something? I'm the weirdo that watches them. I love unboxing new things. And there's one particular product I love unboxing. Has anyone gotten a, did anyone get a new phone for Christmas? Did anyone? Oh, a couple of people. Actually, I've never gotten a phone for Christmas. So apparently your loved ones are way better than mine. Uh, did anyone buy themselves a phone for Christmas? Oh, I think more people bought themselves a phone for Christmas than anything. Well, I got a brand new phone about three months ago. I was pretty excited about it. And actually I brought the box with you. Now, unfortunately for all the Apple stands, this is an Android. Um, yeah, so I've lost half of you and the other half of you, so just imagine there's a great big Apple logo here, and this was twice as expensive, and, uh, there's something exciting about opening a brand new phone, because, like, there's that moment where it just slides down just a little bit, and you're like, ooh, yeah, and you can feel the air, like, sucking in, and then it's this beautiful moment. There's nothing on top of it. It's just your phone perfectly displayed. There's not a sing. Yeah. Oh, it's sexy, right? There's not a single fingerprint. I haven't managed to crack it yet. It is gorgeous. And so you take it out of the box, you throw the box side because I'm 23. I don't need the instruction manual. And then there's the most exciting part of every new phone. Can you guess what it is? It's the plastic. Ooh, you just, you peel it slowly. It's like, I don't think anyone's ever ripped that off quickly. You just, you peel it down nice and slow. And then you look at your phone and go, I'm going to take such good care of you. I am not going to text on the toilet. I am not going to take you hiking without a case. We are going to be together forever. And then you look over at your, like your old phone and it's like sitting cracked and like water damaged. And you're like, get out of here. You're the old one. And I think the reason why we love opening new phones, and why we love new phones, and why Christmas is so exciting, ripping the thing over, and then ultimately why we love New Year's Eve is that we're obsessed with the new, right? It's something this morning that I'm calling the power of new, because we really are obsessed with new. I think one of the strongest uh, sociologists and uh, psychologists in the world are advertisers, Right? Therapists are great, but advertisers understand us better than anyone in the world. And so you only have to walk down the laundry detergent aisle once to understand that everything is new and improved. Right? Like Every year, Tide has a new and improved formula. It's better than ever. You need to buy this one. Now, I was talking about phones earlier. I love phone advertisements because every year they have to convince you that the phone that they sold you last year isn't good enough anymore. It's old, it's, it's slow, and we've got a brand new phone for you. It's brand new. And so I started looking at iPhone advertisements and I found the iPhone 4. This changes everything again. <laughs> Remember last year when we changed everything? Uh-uh, we're changing it all again. Again, you, your old iPhone 3G, just not gonna cut it anymore. You're gonna have to sell that one. We've got a new one. And then two years later, the biggest thing to happen to iPhones since iPhone. It's just an amazing trend. And, and now, of course, Samsung, LG, they all do it too. I'm not just hating on Apple. But they love to convince you that, hey, remember that new product we sold you last year? It's just, it's old. It's probably slow. Uh, you know, if it's Apple, it's definitely slow. And that's proven. Guys, wake up. Uh and as I was doing advertisement, as I was looking at all these ads, I found the best ad possible from Shreddies. New Diamond Shreddies. <laughs> because the old square shreddies just aren't gonna cut it anymore, because you're not a square, you're a star. You deserve a diamond shreddy, because the new is exciting and the old is just boring. I laughed out loud when I found this. I felt like an idiot. I was sitting by myself at my computer and I laughed out loud. But doesn't this so clearly show how we feel about the old and the new? The old is boring. I don't want the old thing. No one's ever been like, oh yeah, buy this phone. It's like the best old phone you can buy. No, you want the new, exciting, alive thing. And so as we look at this holiday that's literally centered around the fact that it's a new year we come back to the power of new. And we look at the old year and it's like that cracked phone that we had that we got last year that we were told was new. And then we're like, man, I'm just ready for this year to be done. Oh my gosh, it's been exhausting. And then we look at this brand new year and there's so much to be had. And just like pulling out that brand new phone and holding it, I I imagine like for parents, it's like holding a newborn baby. But for me, it's like holding a brand new phone going, I'm gonna take such good care of you. I'm, I'm not going to t- 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 abuse you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do great things. And so we look at the coming year the same way. Year, I'm going to take such good care of you. I know I said I was going to in 17, but I ate so much ice cream. <laughs> I had that gym membership for a whole month and a half. But I'm going to take better care of you. And so when we look at the new year, we instinctively want to set goals statistically about 50% of Canadians will set goals Uh, of those 50% half will be to live a healthier 2018 uh, which is not a bad thing so statistically a quarter of us are going to decide to live a healthier year now the problem with setting goals is that first we have to admit to ourselves that we don't have it all together which is really hard And so we can do it inside sometimes, but it's even harder to admit to other people that we don't have it together, let alone in church. Because God forbid you're not perfect at church, right? So right now, I want to let you know that it's okay to not be okay. In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to not be okay. Do it right now. It's okay to not be okay. And now, how do I know that? Because I can look at Scripture, and I can look at the Bible, and see that literally, other than Jesus— no one was perfect in the Bible. And there's even a couple guys where you look at them and you go, uh, if anyone was going to be perfect, it's going to be this guy. He's way holier than I am. One of those guys, his name is Paul. He literally had a moment where Jesus stopped him like, in his tracks and like, lights shone down from heaven. It was so cool. And he had a life-changing experience. He went from literally killing Christians to starting countless churches that would go on to connect thousands upon thousands of people to Christ. In terms of the poster boy of Christianity, this was Paul. And yet, Paul still admitted that he didn't have it all together. And he was still setting goals. So if the poster boy of Christianity has room for growth, I think that we can all admit that we also have room for growth and goals in our lives too. Now, Paul wrote a letter to this Greek city in Philippi. Uh, that's a Greek city. The people that lived there were called Philippians. So we call the letter Philippians because we're super original. And so in Philippians ten, or sorry, 3, verse 10, Paul starts off by just establishing what I just said. That Paul says, I have given up all the inferior things so that I could know Christ personally and experience his resurrection power. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'll say it again. I'm not saying that I'm perfect, the poster boy of Christianity, but I'm on my way reaching out to Christ who has so wondrously reached out to me. So I can imagine that he's going, you know what, I'm not perfect right now, but I'm working at it. I'm setting goals for myself. And he even goes a step further and he keeps going, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything that God has for us. So Paul starts off this by unpacking something really basic. And he's going to go into more depth in a second, and we're going to look at it first. But I want to start off by introducing you to something that this passage talks all about, something that I'm calling, hashtag patent pending, Paul's two-step guide for reaching goals. Yeah, that could be like on a cover of a book, right? And so Paul sets up a, hey, we're reaching for goals because we're not perfect. And so here's your two-step guide for doing it. Paul's two-step guide for reaching goals is number one, to leave the past behind, and to number two, to focus on goals ahead. Now, most of you are probably sitting there, if you're anything like me, going, well, duh. Duh. But I think that it's important that he includes both of these, because I think a lot of times in life we will do one or the other, but never both in tandem. For example, if you're like, okay, I'm going to live a healthier 2018, you take all of your junk food out of your pantry and you throw it out. Or if you're super nice, you give it to someone that goes to your church and they will take it for you instead of you throwing it out. Anyways. You take all the junk food, you throw it out, you fill up your uh, fridge with celery, and then you meander into 2018 going, man, I've got this set. I don't have any junk food in my house. And then three weeks in, you have a bad day at work. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, there's a pint of ice cream gone. And no one knows where it went. Or a quart of ice cream. Pint's not that bad. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm telling this to myself. A quart of ice cream is gone. And you go, oh no, did I do that? And all of a sudden, you... Your pantry fills back up with all those foods and you end up failing. Or you only focus on the goals ahead and you say, you know what? My goal in 2018 is to have the perfect family. By the end of 2018, my family is just going to be so great. I want to focus on my family. And so you go into 2018 razor focused on your family. But you forget to take the weight of work off your shoulder. Or you, you bring all that extended family trouble that you have, and so you start trudging into 2018, and you're focused, but it's just so much hard work because you've got all this weight on your shoulders, and it ends up failing and you end up giving up because it was just too hard. Now, luckily for us, Paul continues to explain this further. Now, he actually says something really key that I want to hit really fast that we're going to come back to in that last passage that we talked about. So he says, by no means do I count myself an expert. I've got my eye on the goal. Now, this is kind of interesting because we all have our individual goals. We have a goal. But Paul says that there's a the goal where God is beckoning us onward, all of us, not just him, not just me, not just you, but he's beckoning us onward to Jesus. He says that all of our goal is that God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. And this is kind of interesting, right? Because you are here sitting and, well, of course, like, I want to be more like Jesus. But, like, it's kind of vague. And what does that mean? Right? Like, it's, it's one thing to uh, I love in um, our youth group. You'll sit down sometimes and you'll ask them the, the question. And the answer is always Jesus, no matter what right? Like that's the right answer. And so you go, of course, my goal this year should be more like Christ. That's just the right answer. But I don't think that that's what Paul would have wanted if every single one of us left out here and like wrote down in our planners or whatever, if you have a planner, uh, you know, be more like Christ. And that's where you left it. Now, luckily for us, Paul doesn't leave this here. He's actually going to start to unpack this. And he starts off with that first step of leaving the past behind. So we continue on in scripture into uh, verse 15. And he says, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. Now I want to stop right here because this is something I don't want to miss. There's probably a segment of you that are sitting here today going, Joshua, it's really great that you want me to set goals for the new year, but I don't really know what I'm doing with my life. And, you know, that's with all ages, right? And you're going, you know what? It's really great, but I just don't know where I'm going. I, I don't even know how to set a good goal. I have no vision. And I've got to say, I've been there before. I think one of the biggest arguments I ever got into with my father was on a new year's Eve. Cause my dad loves goals like a weird amount. Like every year he's got like a, a note app and it, there's 10 10 uh, goals that he sets every year. This particular year uh, that he was asking me what my goals were, one of his goals were was literally to get 10,000 Twitter followers. Yeah. Let that sink in. And then he's like, "Joshua, you're fresh out of college. What are you doing with your life?" And I was like, "I don't really know." And he's like, "What do you mean? How can you not have goals for the new year?" And I got so angry. I was so frustrated with him because he, need, he wanted me so badly to have goals for my life, as any good father would, but I just didn't know what God wanted with my life. And I started to doubt that God even had a vision for my life because I couldn't see it, and I couldn't put it in this few of words, but I had a blurred vision. Now, from that moment where I got into that argument with, with my father to the moment where I had a razor-clear vision in my life was only about six months. But at the time, it felt like eternity. It felt like I was just wandering around with like two dark sunglasses on and I couldn't understand what was happening. And then you hear this passage where Paul says, you know what? Don't worry if your, your vision's blurred. It's like, well, Paul, that's kind of hard to say. Like, you're pretty successful. But Paul says, you know what? You don't need to worry. And now as I look forward, even though like, I'm very blessed with a vision at this moment, if I were to ever come upon a blurred vision, the first thing I would do is think back to in the past when God has cleared up my vision and remember how he's been faithful in the past. And even looking back, if I had the opportunity to change those six months, I wouldn't. I'd probably have a slightly better attitude, but I see that God was uniquely preparing me for what he had planned for me, even though I wasn't in on the story yet. So if you're in a place today where you have blurred vision, I want you to look back at the places where God has clarified your vision in the past and rely on that God, not the one that you feel is absent right now. Also, if you are kind of at a place where it's like, okay, I'm a new Christian, or I just don't have that story in my life, ask anyone else who follows Christ, and I guarantee you, you will hear a myriad of stories. So many stories of people that have witnessed a faithful God clearing up their blurred vision. Now that we've dealt with that itty-bitty little topic, Paul says, now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course headed for the same goal. Paul basically says, hey, it's really important that you have people along beside of you. I'm going to sum this word up in community, uh, and we're pretty crazy about community here at Connect, I think community is essential for reaching your goals. In fact, I think that that's why these community-based workout groups are so successful, like those CrossFits and the Cocos and all that stuff, because not only do they give you the tools, but they also give you a community to go along with it, which there's gotta be something to that, right? And that's why at Connect, we want to help you find that community. And that's why we have Connect groups that are gonna be starting in February. And if you're tired of hearing us talk about Connect groups, you're probably not in one. If you're in one, you're going, yeah, we can't wait for Connect Groups to start again because you've experienced the community to help you to reach your goal, to reach the goal, to reach um, what you're looking for in your life. And so Paul goes, you need to have people running along beside of you. Now, that's the easy part, the leaving the past behind, I think. Paul then jumps on top of this big beast about the goal. The goal of pursuing after Christ. And he starts off by talking about other goals. Other ones other than Christ. And he says, there are so many out there taking other paths. Choosing other goals and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is an easy street. They hate Christ's cross. Basically, they hate the path, the goal of Christ. Their God is their appetite, their belches are their praise, and they think only about this life here on earth, but there is far more to life for us. Amen. This is really interesting what he does, and I, I love like a good poetic like, little bit. Their God is their appetite, and their belches are their praise. It's got to be like, like, that's pretty great. That's, that's, I read that, and I was like, ooh, that's good. Like Paul was having a good day when he wrote that. And... <laughs> You know, some of us, yeah, absolutely, like for a lot of people, appetite is a god for them, and so when they are sitting around the table uh, appeasing their god, their belches are their prey. But I think that it equally can go the other way, that if I'm sitting here going, oh, snap, it's going to be bikini season in like six months, and I'm going to look so good, or speedo season, and I'm going to look so good, and yeah. And I see that out there and I go, you know what? That vision of me in six months, that is my goal. I've just made that my God. And you know what? When I'm in the gym sweating and grunting, my sweat is my praise to my God. Or if you're looking and going, you know what? 2018, I'm going to have an amazing family. I'm going to put all this work into my family. Every time you post on Facebook a picture-perfect family photo, that is your praise to your God. Now, there's a problem with that, and it's something that we all inherently know in our day-to-day lives, but we often have a hard time admitting about our goals, is that in this world, new things always become old things. That new phone I was just telling you about, I got that three months ago. It's already cracked on the back, and there's a new model out. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little peeved when that happened. I think they happened on the same week. Like they knew, and they're like, oh, we'll get them to buy a new phone. Because in this life, new things always become old things. And as much as it's hard to admit it to ourselves, as much as a beach body and a great family are two good things, if you make them your ultimate things, your ultimate things are going to become old things. And so they may be good, but they're not ultimate things because they're going to ultimately let you down. And so at every step, you have to ask yourself, am I putting my faith in something that's gonna ultimately let me down? And now, again, I I wanna reiterate that these are not bad things, but if you're counting on the newness of them to give you hope, they're eventually gonna let you down. We have the same thing. It seems like every single year we do this and then we look back and we go, oh man, this new hopeful year that I had, I just, I'm ready for it to be done. Like I'm ready for this new year to start, but what's interesting is that Paul kind of then leaves these other, these other goals, these other gods, as he talks about them, and then he focuses on what it means to be, uh, to have the goal of Christ, and he says, "We are citizens of high heaven." where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He will make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. That is exciting, guys. Because what Paul shows here is that God doesn't offer us a new that will become old. He offers us a better new. He offers us a new that's going to be new forever. And if you're, if you're new to church, if you're skeptical like I am, there might be a little bit of you that's sitting there going, ah, of course this ended up with heaven. Christians are just so obsessed with heaven that we're just terrible broken people right now. And, you know, we're just, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back. I almost like fell into a Southern accent when I said that. Uh <laughs> But we're just waiting for Jesus to come back, and you know what? Until then, we are we're done for. But what's kind of interesting is that this is a better new. This is not a new that we're hoping for in the same way that we hope for a God that will eventually achieve what we want. You see, Paul writes now about Paul wrote this now about the future, but he wrote in a different letter um, to another church about the same topic, and in. Second uh, Corinthians 517, he said, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, present tense. The old life is gone. The new life has begun right now. That's not like it's going to begin. It, it will begin. It's begun right now. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. You see, this is a really interesting thing in Christianity and a, a, an amazing thing about being a Christ follower is that you are new right now, and you are new forever. Now, I'm going to be honest, a lot of really, really smart men and women have written really, really long books that I don't care to read on this subject. I, I don't entirely understand how I can be new now and I can be new then, but like it's the same new, but like it's, it's, it's just mind-boggling to me. And I think the reason why we have such a hard time with this is because we live in a world where new things always become old things, and yet we have a two-sided new, that we're new now and we're new then. It's the same new, that we're always going to be new, and that when we pursue after the goal of Christ instead of ourselves, we end up new forever instead of a new thing becoming an old thing. So I want to take it back to Paul's two-step guide for reaching goals, now that we've kind of unpacked what he means by this. And I want to get super practical for a moment, because I said before, I don't want every single one of you to go home, take some lipstick, and write on your mirror, my New Year's resolution is to be more like Jesus, because that's just so inspecific. Everything you like if you go online and read like any checklist of like how to make sure you achieve your your goals for the new year, one of them is always make it measurable and incremental. And so we wanna make that applicable in each and every one of your lives. And unfortunately, I can't do this for each and every one of you. I can't explain to each of you what your goal is, but I wanna share to you with you what my goal is for the new year. See, my goal is to read more in twenty eighteen. I know. Pat myself on the back for that one Yeah, read more You see, I read a lot in university uh, Not necessarily because I wanted to But I ended up kind of enjoying it And I was reading like a book a week Yeah, that was like an insane pace Too much reading And so when I got done with university I was like, I am never touching a book ever again Like even an audios book It's like, okay, maybe one a year You know, I, I just can't do it I've read so many books, I'm done with it But you know what, I think I've kind of realized That like books would be a really great thing in my life And now the temptation here is for me to just go, okay, I'm going to read more and then walk into the new year. But guys, it's going to fail. I can tell you, I know enough about myself to know that I'm not going to be able to stick with it. But instead, if I take my goal of reading more and look at Paul's two-step guide for reading goals and say, one, let's leave the past behind. So one, it means I'm going to have to be able to leave some activities in the past so that I can make time to read. This is, just, this is logical, right? Now, to give you an insight into the very exciting nightlife of Joshua, I love to play video games and watch YouTube in the evenings. So I'm going to have to give up some of that to read in the evenings. And I know to you, that's not like much of a sacrifice, but like, that's hard. And I'm going to have to go, you know what? I'm going to have to leave a couple levels, a couple of that next television show in the past in order for me to be able to step forward towards my goal. And then let's talk about the goal for a moment. Because there's a really easy temptation for me to look at myself in 12 months. And I don't know about you. Maybe this is just me. But when somebody says they've been reading a book, it's like, oh, look at Mr. Smarty Pants. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) Maybe no one else is as impressed by reading as I am. Uh, But there's a little bit of me that kind of wants to make other people feel that way about me. I'm just, I'm being honest with you. I want to tell people, oh yeah, I'm reading this great book and they're all looking at me like, oh, look at smart Joshua reading books. (laughs) And then there's also that moment where it's like there's the the personal achievement of looking back and going, wow, look at what I have accomplished this year. I did that. A lot of people look back at the end of the year and they go, look at all my accomplishments this year. But you know what? I have to admit to myself that those new things are going to become old things and it's going to pass and ultimately no one's going to be impressed with the fact that I read as I thought they were going to be but instead I want to set my goal on Christ and you know what I think that there's actually a way to reach my goal of reading more and to set the goal on Christ because one I can get personal nourishment I can spend my time better by reading instead of playing video games certainly nothing wrong with video games but like reading also has some some merit um, that was a joke and uh also, I can be reading amazing Christian authors that are going to teach me more about Christ, that's going to allow me to fall more in love with Jesus, to allow me to be more like him, to allow me to, uh, to serve the church better, to be a, a better uh, uh, t- to communicator, <laughs> <laughs> to talk better, as somebody would say, next year. Ooh. And I can focus on Christ and still reach my goals And in the end, I'm pursuing a better new. So this Christmas Eve, uh, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, I want you to set a goal. I I genuinely, I don't want this to be a 50% hey, like like I'm not admitting that I need help. And then the other half admitting that they need help. Let's everyone admit that we're not perfect and that we have opportunities for goals this year. Let's be able to honestly come together in a community. Uh, That's one thing I missed. I want to join a book club, which is something that I don't think people that aren't moms do, uh, but I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) I don't want to join a book club because I want to have community so that people can stand along beside of me and make sure that I'm focusing on the same goal. And you know what? That word focus, I think that that's really important because a lot of times we think about this and we say, you know what? I've set my focus. I'm good. But focus is a struggle focus is something I'm going to get distracted, I'm going to see myself I'm gonna, my pride's going uh, like to swell up and I'm going to try to make this about myself but that focus is bringing it back in and making sure that it's, that it's aligned with what Christ has for my life so this year I challenge you to make a goal, make a goal for a better new, let's pray in Jesus name I thank you so much for what you're doing this year I thank you that you give us new opportunities, that you make us new now, and you make us forever in a forever new, a better new, God. I pray that you will give us community to come along beside of us, that we'll be able to leave the past behind and focus on the goal ahead, and that that goal would be you, and that you would fill us up with a better new, a new that would never become old.